Hey everyone, welcome to another podcast of Knickknack Nerd. I'm Greg Burlett and I'm here with my friend Anto. Today we're talking about Neuralink because, well, we didn't hear a lot about Neuralink since they were founded in 2016, I think it was. And uh, probably in the last year, we've actually learned what they've been up to. Uh, They've kind of crept out of the research lab and started showing uh, a little bit of progress, which is pretty cool. Um, So Elon on the Neuralink uh, YouTube released a video. Was it last week, Anto? Uh, I think it was last week or the week before. I don't know. I just saw saw this tweet from, uh, from Elon. And there was this video of this monkey with a computer chip in its brain controlling stuff without touching controls. It was insane. Yeah. So basically, new um, HCI, which is human-computer interaction. Um, So currently, we're kind of limited by mouse and keyboard. Um, Kind of getting into voice recognition uh, as kind of being viable, um, but there's a lot of um, transcription errors that make it really difficult. Um, think about when you're talking with Google Home or Alexa. Um, it's it's an easier way, sometimes easier. Actually, sometimes it's easier just to use um, a touch interface, like a touch screen or a keyboard and mouse to actually select what you want. Um, I'm thinking about when I tell Alexa to play a song for me. Um, Sometimes it's just easier to pick up the iPhone and select it than it yeah. is to say, Alexa, play me this specific song, right? I would say that, uh, you know, those cylinders... <laughs> Alexa just turned on, is playing songs now. Yeah, yeah. Alexa, I would say we should probably refrain stop. from saying ele- uh, that name and, and call them like cylinders or something. <laughs> and, That's um, right. But so when I talk to mine, uh, it's really good at turning my lights on and off. Um, which I find probably the most convenient thing ever, especially when mm. I'm on, on the couch, like, uh, the lazy guy I am, uh, watching a movie and I'm ready to turn the lights off and I don't want to yep. get up. It's perfect yep. for that. Well, it's equivalent. Um, you remember that product from late nineties and it was the, the clap clap. Yeah. You go. Yeah. But it's way less it annoying than lights. that. I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. We should bring back the clap clap. No, let's not bring back clap lights. See, that with Neuralink, you could, just, you could just think. You can just think, no. I want the lights to be off. I'm falling asleep. And then uh, and then it would be so. Um, so I guess let's, um, let's step back and talk about Neuralink uh, as a company. It's one of Elon Musk's uh, ventures. Um, he's got Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink. Does he have any other thing? Oh, the boring company. The boring company, one, uh, where he's digging his, his yeah. big pit. Yep. Um, I'm not sure if. Oh, Starlink too. That's right. And that's. I actually, mean, they're, they're still uh, part of SpaceX, but uh, they're gonna break off into their own company soon. They're they're absolutely gonna do that, and I'm guessing that it it'll probably SpaceX will probably be the mother company. I'm not sure how they're gonna do that. I wonder if it the the org structure is going to be like Alphabet for Google and then a, a whole bunch of subsidiaries sitting under that umbrella. I'm not sure yeah, I don't know. How, we, how it's going to uh, end up But speaking of SpaceX, they just won the contract to uh, bring astronauts to the moon. Really? Yeah. Very cool. I didn't hear about that. I'll have to, yeah, uh, just, I'll have to uh, look that up after uh, this. Elon just tweeted out like this evening, so uh, it's pretty cool. No, oh, that cool. man can tweet. He loves, he loves to stir up a, a tweet storm. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Um, so essentially the idea behind Neuralink is our methods of, of interacting with, with a computer are limited by how fast we can type, um, how fast we can move our mouse and click. Um, Mm -hmm. so we, we basically, we interface with a computer with a keyboard and mouse typically. Yeah. Pretty Um, slowly. Fingers if we're tapping on a device pretty slowly. Um, I would say like computing scientists and people proficient at a computer can get around a hundred words per minute. Um, but most people, the general population is probably around like 50, 60. My dad, who's an engineer is a, a two finger typer with his pointer fingers. You know, he's like a maybe 20 words a minute sort of, sort of man. It's impressive so, for two fingers. Oh, he's fast. Yeah. Lightning <laughs> hands Don. That's what they used to call him. 
lightning fingers, <laughs> lightning fingers done. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're sort of limited with, with how we, how we interact, um, in terms of the bandwidth of, you know, the information that we can send to a computer for like commands that we want it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea is what if we could just think and, and, uh, tell the computer commands based on, based on thought. And that's kind of the idea uh, w- with Neuralink is um, if I could just think about the mouse moving on a screen or not even have a mouse, right? Um, yeah. If you could just say, you know, I want to open up this program, just think I want to open up this program versus moving a mouse, hovering over an icon. Like the only reason that that exists is, is because of the previous um, interface that we use with, with a, a mouse pointer and moving the mouse and clicking. Um, that doesn't even need that's it's a complete shift in paradigm with how we interact with with a computer um so really uh getting into implanting uh electrodes into our brain to read signals is it, it really opens up um a lot of different possibilities and i think we're probably going to get into that a bit later about like what the implications of this technology are, um, yeah. In the final stages, when when it's actually fully operational, um, in, in like the end game. Yeah, I'll say like it's still like early, early, early days for it, right? Um, Very early because like m- mapping impulses um, in in people's brains it's unique for each person, um, from what I understand. Um, so it's incredibly complex, and like intensive from a data perspective on, on all the things you need to gather to, to make it work. Yeah. Like what I think about in terms of that. So I've, I've actually, I've thought about that before. Um, if you think about um, the kind of earlier days of, of speech recognition, they would train AI models that would be kind of general purpose. Like, okay, you're an English male speaker. You're an English female speaker. Um, with, with like very low accent kind of phoneme data and then it would get you when the first time you use the program it would get you to say uh, a whole bunch of different paragraphs and, and phrases yeah, the thing about to the kind of yeah yeah well stuff like that and then even even going beyond that like you would say like full paragraphs and it would be particular phonemes that would be trying to figure out exactly how you say them and mm-hmm. then basically what it is is you start at this kind of general model and then it kind of tweaks everything and 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 just kind of like fine tunes it for you specifically to try and increase the the accuracy of of it reading your um your speech um so that's what i what i kind of think that that Neuralink might end up being like it ships with um with kind of a general model of the brain, like, okay, this is kind of where we expect to see like motor control synapses. This is kind of where we expect, like we, we know about certain mappings in the brain, like Broca's speech. Like we know that that's dependent on speech. We know where the motor cortex is. We know where like the V1, V2 um, visual cortex happens, like audio cortex stuff. Um, we know like generally where it happens in the brain, but we don't know in great detail, like these specific clusters of neurons actually result in this. Like it, it's very much a black box beyond like these little compartments of, yeah, of absolutely. You know, gray matter, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like, if you think about like how, how well speech recognition works right now, like, okay, but not that great all the time. Um, yep. And then like, just project that onto uh, like something like much more complex, like the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, with with the amounts of different kinds of signals it can send and and different actions it it wants to take, um, like it's gonna be very interesting to see see how they go about making that happen in, in a way that you know doesn't take insane amounts of training for each person. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and I think it, it's also really interesting because people form thoughts differently. Some people think about the actual words in their native tongue uh like as commands and some people just think about like the intent of the action um like thinking the words i'm going to move my arm versus just you know i'm moving my arm and like i'm just i'm thinking about the intent of it 
Um, so I think you're totally right. Like people just think of people's brains are different um, and how they conceptualize things and, and like issue commands. Um, I think there's a lot that's the same, but I, I think you're totally right. And I think that that's, you know, something that that is definitely very difficult about about the whole process. You, and you probably you don't know the answer to this, obviously, but do you think it would be easier to train a model um, for someone that's thinking about doing something that they've done like a million times and are essentially a master in and have like tons of muscle memory? So that thought is always the same versus someone that just like kind of knows what they're trying to do. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think um, I think that that's one of the things about about um, muscle memory and and even like neural pathways like we talk a lot about neuroplasticity and uh you know like rerouting the pathways and like the synapses of of you know how we like think about something or or perform a process i think that um i think that yeah absolutely i think that that is easier um so in terms of of like i guess the implication of, of the technology I think breaking this barrier of of the amount of bandwidth that we can send to and from uh, a machine um, in order to you know do our business is is completely revolutionary in the sense that I, I think one I think it's probably doable in our lifetime for reading. I don't think it's going to be doable for writing. To the brain but i think reading the brain is going to be doable in our lifetime and i think it's gonna it's gonna be so impactful i think it's gonna be a technological renaissance that really ushers humans into the golden age i really think that okay so i got a question for you around that um Mm -hmm. so right now Neuralink requires uh, a chip implanted in your brain connected to uh, thousands of uh, of places, right? Yeah, I, l- I looked it up. It's um, um, so they they basically how they do this implant. It's flush with your skull. Mm-hmm. They uh, remove a little, uh, so they pull back a chunk of skin. They drill into your um, your cranium, and then they have a, an automated machine that uh, sends probes into your brain. And uh, what they found was, if you think of like, um, um, what's it called? Deep, uh, what, what's the thing for Parkinson's? Deep deep brain simulation is what they call it, mm-hmm. where they actually put electrodes into. And in the early stages of um, putting electrodes into like hamsters' brains for psychological research, they would use pretty probes. And mm-hmm. then they found that the brain actually recognizes it as a foreign agent, and then they like your brain actually rejects it and it starts uh like shooting out the the little probes so at Neuralink, they're using these um these like very thin malleable fibers mm-hmm. um and and using those instead so um it has about i think like 2000 um points of contact with different uh um synapse points in your brain so um yep. the little neurons yep. Um, each probe contains 46 to 96 wires and each wire contains 32 electrodes. So that would be like the individual little, um, like tendrils that go into, um, into your brain and the machine can insert, uh, six probes per minute. That's insane. Yeah. Okay. So, so you can be so my question up to for like you, real fast. Yeah. My question for you is, um, would you get one? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> let me, okay. Let me qualify that. Um, I would get it after extensive testing. Um, and, How and also, okay. Okay. Also there's a thing of, um, okay. Uh, software updates are one thing, right? So let's say you get the, yep. the physical hardware put into you. It is in your brain. Um, then they do a bunch of firmware updates and software updates to the chip so that, um, you know, they can make the the soft the hardware that you have implanted in your brain work as optimally as possible. What happens when Neuralink uh, V two comes out? And that's it goes my from, question. It goes from two thousand sensors to four thousand sensors. What or happens 8, when V three comes 000. out? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, or whatever. it's an increase by a multitude of whatever. And they've figured out exactly where to place them, like a bit better, because they've mapped out more of the brain. And now people have a superior interface that can connect better. And it's actually a hardware limitation. Like, you are less of a, of a cyborg compared to other people. So they actually have an advantage on you. Because um, they have, like, a better bandwidth signal that's, you know, less error-prone. Um, so you would actually need to get all these tendrils ripped out of your brain and who knows, you know, the damage of putting, uh, like long-term implications of putting four to, you know, eight K, um, electrodes into your brain, regardless of the nanometer, like how small they are. I yeah, like the long-term impact on that, right? Like, like, yeah, I, we don't nobody know. knows right now. Like nobody knows right now. Um, and that's why that's why I said so immediately like no um, there would need to be extensive testing and like definitely more long-term testing I'm waiting for um, version 10 <laughs> yeah I don't know you might be like oh man it's so cool what they can no. do and I want to be able to do it I don't want I'll, I'll wait till there's one you can just like they've sufficiently advanced that they don't need the wires and I can put it on my head yeah um, if so, they can figure that out I'm in there's um there's this uh toy um it's called like a jedi mind mind game toy have you seen seen these before yeah yeah Yeah, i've seen it so it's um you put it it's like a band that you plays over your head Mm -hmm. and it reads beta waves from your brain um beta waves are I, i don't know much about this but beta waves are apparently ejected from your brain when you're extremely focused and relaxed um so what basically this game is you put the band on it reads the beta waves you're supposed to relax and focus on moving this ball Uh, and the ball is like a little ping pong ball kind of thing in a a cylindrical clear column and basically when you focus and relax enough the the ball moves up and you're moving it with your mind is kind of the idea um so that came out like quite a long time ago, and uh, actually in the field of music, people use that as a, like a musical interface. So like uh-huh. you you relax yourself and you move this ball and it spawns a bunch of noises when you're doing it and you know, all that kind of stuff. That's how I found out about it. Um, so there is signals that your brain emits that would allow it to not be like an electrode implant into your brain. Um, it, it all comes down to like the richness of information. Like, can you actually get that level of information from, uh, you know, like beta waves or like EEGs where they just put, um, um, like electrode sensors on, on your, um, on mm. your skin. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'm really opposed to the idea of someone, uh, putting a bunch of strings in my brain. Yeah. Well, it, it is physically invasive and mentally invasive at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and what happens like uh, once you know once the uh, writing uh, to the to the brain is uh, is cracked, what prevents someone from hacking me at that point as well? Uh, yeah, th- then you have a bunch of security issues, right? Um, yeah, tons. L- let's get into the let's get into the like what could happen with this technology because I I thought about it like. I thought about it for like a good 45 minutes, which is the extent of my prep for, for the podcast. I thought about it like a good 45 minutes and uh, I came up with, with some ideas about like what I think could do um, in, in like the end game. Like once you're able to write to the brain as well, because really all the cool okay. shit is unlocked when you can write to the brain. Okay, well, let's call um, phase one is like read from the brain and just control things with the brain, okay? Yeah. And phase two is when you can write to the brain or add add information to the brain in some way. Yeah. Um, that That's not like, you know, feedback you've gathered with your eyes or whatever. So uh, for phase one, I think there's lots of really cool um, applications uh, for like um, robotic-assisted surgery or, or other other types of operations. Where, where you're controlling like some other mechanical appendage to yeah. do something like think about like a backhoe right 
Um, the the controls for a backhoe, not great. People are incredibly skilled with them, but mm-hmm. the controls are actually like, um, you know, they're you know, you're confined to a number of like specific axes, and you have to right. you know pull various levers at the same time as other ones to do like this coordinated movement. Whereas if you could just think, um, I want the bucket to go there. And the device did some sort of inverse kinematics uh, to figure out what motions it had to make to put the bucket there. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be incredibly useful and save a lot of time. And you wouldn't have to train machine operators um, on using a specific device. They would just be able to step into any device and, and use it immediately. Yeah, I, w- I would say that that, that kind of crosses the line between is it actually a human-computer interaction where you're replacing like the, you're replacing the the levers that have to be pulled with um, with human thought and saying all right uh, I'm gonna think about pulling that lever and think about pulling that lever mm-hmm. but what you what you kind of injected in there was the artificial intelligence that says put the bucket there well it's not really, and, it's not artificial intelligence inverse kinematics is solved um, in a lot of things a lot of CNC machines use inverse kinematics. Um, when you plan your, their tool paths. So like you can mm-hmm. say like, I need this thing to go to this point in space and the machine will calculate what, what are the movements the rest of it need to make to put that thing uh, there in the desired path you've told it to go there. And like, it's yeah, not, it's, I, I, f- I feel like a lot of that is solved by computer vision problems now, which like our AI, um, I know that there is like the mathematical kind of like vector operations to, to like move a bunch of joints to get mm-hmm. something to a specific place. Um, but I think, I think in order to say like in your mind, say, I want to put something there, you have to figure out like, it's a very complex statement. Is it what I'm is. Saying. You and, have to know what, like, how do you know where there is from one? Yeah. Right. You have to have some sort of coordinate space uh, to translate yeah. it to, to give whatever software that's doing that conversion for you a target. Right. Yeah. I just, I just think that um, at, at that point, you're kind of crossing the boundary of, of human-computer a- interaction, and you're doing something so complex that you're not even, like, you, maybe you don't even need the human at that point anymore. Um, like, it's not that much more complex to just have, um, like, a full AI, you know, interacting and, and like, moving dirt around, right? I, I, I'm going to, I don't think that's true no no because you're still like giving it explicit commands it doesn't know how to move the dirt or where to move the dirt it just knows you want to move this thing from this spot to that spot right so like uh basically just like a higher higher level of thought uh it's yeah it's just replacing instead of instead of the mechanized action much more elegant one right? right like like the difference between like uh programming languages and machine code Instead of exactly. like filling up registers and everything yeah. in like very low level, we're like, all right, uh, this is what I want to do. Right, because at some level, well, it has to get translated back to that level at some point because you know the machine, the actual operation of the machine won't change um, right. on like how you know it has you know an arm of whatever length and it can bend you know this many degrees and what have you, right? So yeah, all right. So um, I found I found a tweet. Um, right before the podcast from, from Elon talking about, um, basically the, the goals of Neuralink. Cause I was actually curious. I'm like, you know, what, what's actually their mission statement? Like you can kind of think about where they're heading based on, um, on, you know, remarks and like just implications of what happens if you put electrodes in someone's brain and you're reading from it. Um, but I just wanted to hear or, or get a sense of, you know, what, what Elon's mission statement is. And um, so in his mind, um, the short-term goals of Neuralink is to solve brain and spine injuries. That's his, that's his short-term goal. So um, in his talks and updates, he talks a lot about deep brain stimulation for Parkinson's. And because uh, basically that involves like a couple electrodes, they stimulate it. And what Elon says is it's basically, it's very rudimentary. And he says it's equivalent to kicking a TV. 
Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but for those uh, that it like jolts back into place, um, it works great and it helps a lot of people. Um, so he's kind of looking at paraplegics and, and um, people with brain disorders um, and, and seeing if, uh, you know, throwing a bunch of electrodes in the brain can solve that problem. Um, in the medium term, uh, this wasn't from, from Elon, but this is from uh, one of the people on his tech team was talking about essentially learning about the brain more, like being able to map out the brain. If you think of like oscilloscopes, looking at, at signals, um, looking at neuron firings in, in certain situations and, and like kind of like what we were talking about, like we know the visual cortex is here, but like digging in deeper now that we have um, read access to specific neurons. Yeah, like how does um, it do what it does, right? That's what. How does it do what it in does? The medium yeah. term, really want to map that out, and, and figure out like, hey, this exact neuron, or whatever. I know the brain's not that that simple, um, but yeah. for <laughs> to, to to simplify for my own yeah. tiny brain, um, <laughs> this exact neuron does this activity, um, and then yeah. you know you check that one off, and you find out which one does the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and eventually. Uh, you get to a place where you know what you know most of it does right and if you think about um how many neurons we actually have in our brain that are firing um taking taking a sample of you know two thousand neurons in there and then and we take that information run it through our uh, basically like not our i'm not with the company but Neuralink. We'll take that information as features running into machine learning, They're like a, a neural network that sits outside of the brain and interprets mm -hmm. that and does like some sort of classification. So that's what we're doing it. So it's essentially a really low sample, like a really low sample of what the brain is actually outputting. We're only looking at, you know, just a yeah. handful of Very low of resolution. Super low resolution. Yeah. So if you think about a picture... Um, it would be like far above 8K would be the brain and what Neuralink actually sees right now would be worse than um, NES pixel resolution of yeah, sprites. Yeah, it's like 240 like Way less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they see very little information compared to what the brain is actually outputting. Um, so I guess that's why when Anto said it's, still very early stage is very early stage um there's still a lot that isn't understood and um why why i think that the medium term goal of the company is to kind of map out the brain more is so that you can get to the really cool shit which is being able to write to the brain um if you start flipping think of a neuron firing as on or off zeros or ones right almost like a computer um, when when the electrical impulse um, of a neuron exceeds a certain level, then it fires. Um, and it's done through like chemical processes, but think of it like electricity. So it fires. Um, if, if they just start like f firing random neurons and don't actually know what they do, like you, you can't you can't actually do what you want to do because you don't bad know bad things will happen bad things will happen <laughs> if you just start like flipping switches randomly you're like what does this do i don't know and uh from what i understand i'm no expert in the brain <laughs> but uh you know there's a lot of interconnectedness um and, and a lot of like very complex gates in the brain like flipping one thing could send like a volley of of you know like yeah, not not good things probably happening there. Yeah, and like the like they they have certainly have a lot of challenge challenges there too, right? Because when when parts of the brain become damaged, um the brain is like a pretty resilient organ and and often remaps those pathways, right? Yeah. So then does that screw up their whole model or or how do they handle those situations? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we talked about neuroplasticity a little bit. Um, but it's interesting that like even after training and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting to think about. It could really mess with, with things. Right. And, and for, for his phase one, like people that have these, these things have happened to them, um, 
and maybe parts of their brain have remapped, but others haven't, and that's why their brain is injured, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those are like the the people he's trying to solve the problem for um, out of the gate. So that's you know it could pose some some of its own challenges there. But but right. what do I? I don't really know anything about the brain on on any sort of deep level. But yeah. you know from from what I understand, it sounds very uh, difficult. I would say even um, neurosurgeons. And, uh, like, I don't want to say psychologists, but psychologists do do a lot of study of, of structure of brains on, on the science side. I would say that even they don't understand, <laughs> it, like, anything below a surface level of what's actually going on. Well, yeah, I think, like, as as humans, um, like, even, like, the most elite understanding of the brain that humans have is very rudimentary still. Yes, absolutely. It is uh it is very much a black box. Um so I think that the medium term goal of like mapping out the brain more, looking at sp- specific neurons and, you know, figuring out what they do is uh you know, there's that's a that's a large task. Um and I feel like they're going to be stuck on that for a really long time. Um but once you actually map that out, then the long-term objective of the company, which Elon states is human AI symbiosis. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory what he means there, but really that's the chasm that it's going to take from reading the brain and writing to the brain. Um, and I just think it's going to take so long. And you probably agree. Uh, there's also like an intermediary step, right? Instead of like Instead of writing to the brain... Um, there's also, um, the step of just providing, uh, input to the brain that it doesn't have from another source, like your hands, your eyes, your sense of smell. Um, oh, like, uh, like different modalities, right? Like, uh, yeah. Injecting exterior information. Right. Like oh, that's say, interesting. Um, that's cool. like for example, say someone loses an eye yeah, and they can't see but they could hook up a uh, a camera in like a little eye enclosure thing, put it in your eye socket and plug it into your brain. Right. Um, and it could provide input uh, the same way the eye would, but it's not like programming the brain. Or maybe right. it is, but uh, not, not in the same way of like, you know, in putting in memories that you never had sort of thing, but it is right. providing input. Yeah, so that's like DLC content. yeah hopefully you don't have to pay for it you will have to pay for it (laughs) what if people could download experiences there will for sure be a market for that or saving your own say you had like a really good day and the ability to save that um somewhere and you could review it like it was yesterday instead of having it fade over time uh i think there would be a market for that as well and that would be very interesting um okay so Let's take a let's take a break. But before we take a break, um, I just realized that, that we never actually explained what happened in the video. We got too um, excited. We got too excited about we got too excited about it. You want to explain like what the demo was? I guess yeah, I'll, sure. I'll explain the first demo, and then you explain the second demo. The first demo was they implanted um, Neuralink into a bunch of pigs' heads, and when the pigs smelled something. Like they put a stimulus in front of it, and when it smelled something, they showed on the graph like, "Look, the neurons are firing, and and like we can actually read rudimentary from the brain, and we were able to implant this chip." Bam! That was the first demo. A little underwhelming, um, and then the second demo came out. Take it away, Anto. Okay, so second demo, uh, there's this monkey, and he's sitting in front of a screen, and he's got the Neuralink implanted in his brain, um, and beside the screen, like mounted on the wall, is this joystick. And the monkey also has this straw in front of him that's full of banana smoothie. This is his encouragement or reward that he gets. I think um, that everyone should have this banana smoothie reward. That would be great. It sounds good. I'd like chocolate chips in mine too. Um, <laughs> but uh, so this monkey, um, on the screen, there's a grid of squares and a cursor. And one of the squares is colored. I can't remember. I think it was orange. Um, yeah. And the monkey's goal is to move the cursor to the orange square. Okay, and when he does, he gets a little sip of his smoothie. 
So he he does this. He's pretty proficient at using this joystick. To, He's actually very proficient at the joystick to to move uh, mm-hmm. to move the cursor to this orange spot. So while they're doing this, they're they're recording. Um, what's going on in his brain while he's moving uh, the cursor because they know the position of where the monkey's trying to move it to and they also know which way the cursor went um, you know correlated by time with uh, the synapses that fired right so they they have all that information Um, they show you on the screen it just looks like an incredible amount of information is gathered Um, and they analyze it and build a model and then they unplug the joystick, completely unplug it, and use Neuralink to control the movement of the cursor. And then this monkey is moving the cursor to the dot and, and slurping up his smoothie, and he's having a great time. But, and but to my, him, he my still head thinks... basically exploded when I saw <laughs> this. <laughs> but, the, but the cool part is that um, he's still interacting with the joystick, thinking that that everything is exactly the same that's right he is interacting yeah. with the joystick that's yeah. true yeah um and i think that, that would actually be necessary because like what if the main feature um that that the model cares about is the the motor cortex that is the, the, is brain the actual signal, physical movement yeah is a physical movement it could be that right and you mm-hmm. need that physical movement it, it's not it could not just be the thought it could be the action as well right yeah so, so yeah um, pretty cool it could prove to be like this like i could easily see this uh helping out um you know amputees in the future as maybe a step before they even get to the medium term mm-hmm. um right if all all those movements are available as inputs to you know your bionic arm or whatever mm-hmm. uh you know that if you're able to i mean you can already they already have um prosthetics that that have some yeah, they imitation use, um, of this they use, they use emg sensors use, i believe that's right they use the the nerve endings that are left behind um to trigger the motion and they're you know for for what they're doing it's it works incredibly well mm-hmm. i think that that one of the main issues with that is um people depending on on where the the cutoff is like oh, for example if they're missing a limb they have differing amounts of of control of the mm-hmm. muscle structure around that so if if anything like for example if it's even cut like an inch above they they actually can't control something and then and then you know they can't put sensors in in a specific place and yep um yeah Neuralink yeah. levels the playing field there or well potentially in the future levels the playing field there right yeah um, and then the monkey started playing Pong, right? Oh, yeah. He does play Pong at the end of the video. At the end of the video, And yeah. uh, he's pretty good at it. He's actually not bad. All for the smoothie. All for the smoothie. Sip of that, sip of that sweet smoothie. Um, you want to take a quick break? We, we yeah, talked for like four, 40 minutes or something like that. Yeah, let's take a quick break we'll here. A break. Um, let's grab and then a we'll have some, uh, some more thoughts and we'll wrap up. Humble Bundle is a video game subscription service that selects a bunch of fun games each month and you choose which games you want to keep forever. With the subscription, you also get a 20% discount off of thousands of games on the Humble Store. I often find myself browsing Steam not knowing what I want to play, when that time could be better spent trying a handful of good hand-picked games. Sign up for a Humble Choice Basic or Premium subscription using the link bit.ly forward slash humble nerd your subscription not only gets you a handful of great video games but also supports this podcast now back to the show okay so uh we're back from our break here and i think we're going to talk about like where like what's the really cool things way 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 down the road um should should Neuralink be successful in their their first two steps? So, what does what does human AI symbiosis actually look like? Mm-hmm. So, Greg, what, what what do you think? What are some really cool things for you? First thing that that comes to mind is telepathy. Um, one person has Neuralink, the other person has Neuralink. Um, it you have a, a Bluetooth connection um, between. Um, 
the two individual Neuralinks. You can send private messages. I really um, hope we have something better them. than Bluetooth. I, I was just about to say, I was like, I'm saying Bluetooth, <laughs> and I was like, eh, probably at that stage we won't have Bluetooth. Um, yeah, just telepathy. Um, the cool part about that is you're not even limited by the bandwidth of speech anymore, which is so crazy to think about it's how humans have been um, sending information to each other, expressing complex thought um, for millennia. It, like, you, you just you don't need you're not limited by the bandwidth of speech anymore um you can send thoughts to people that are picture content video content of memories um just complex uh thoughts that what's what's uh, interesting to me is like if you could send like understanding you know what i mean like you can try to convey an idea through through speech or or words or pictures Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean the person understands. Right, right. And that, that kind of comes down to another thing is uh, that is potentially possible with, with the technology is, you know, in the Matrix where, where Neo gets plugged in and you go, it's, I know Kung Fu. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, in order to actually have understanding, like, if I talk to a neurosurgeon and he or she is is talking to me, and they're using a bunch of jargon and you know things I'm just not trained to understand. Mm-hmm. In order for me to actually understand it, I need the relevant background knowledge to actually understand it. So um, really doing like data dumps, like data downloads of I want to learn this, plug me in. Um, send, give me five minutes to, to torrent um, everything there is to know about <laughs> neurosurgery. There we go. And then... And then we're on a level playing field where I can actually talk to the person. Um, so that's really interesting that you say um, uh, not just sending the complex thought, but sending the understanding. Um, there's actually this cool podcast uh, that I listen to called The Bright Sessions. And uh, it's about um, uh, people that have essentially superpowers. And one of them is uh, she has telepathy. And she's speaking to someone and it's just a whirlwind of scientific information. And even though that she can read her thoughts, she's like, I I have no idea what you mean. Like you need to actually think, even though I can read your thoughts, I need you to think more simply so that I can actually, we can have a conversation and I can talk to you. (laughs) And I just thought that was so cool. Um, And it's really interesting you mentioned that because that will totally happen. Um, So one thing, yeah, telepathy. Um, Think about... um, Think about all the jobs that will just poof, vanish from existence because of technology like that. Don't need um, uh, police sketch artists anymore. Don't need them. That's right. Yep, they're gone. You just you gone. know send a mental snapshot of the guy looks like this, and people are like yeah, they'll okay. have to be regular mm-hmm. artists. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of really cool stuff like that. Um, it's going to be hell for teachers. Um, one, if you have a data download, data dump, you don't need teachers anymore. Um, well, another... maybe. So uh, it it comes down to like, what are the limitations of of doing that? Like, like obviously the brain has some limit to its storage capacity. That's why we forget things. Right. Um, so, and you don't want to like overwrite everything, and then someone forgets how to breathe or something that's true (laughs) yeah yeah i think it would that's a really good point i think it would be impossible to download the the expanse of human knowledge into one person's brain i think that there are definitely technical limitations to our brain in terms of short-term capacity like we um there's a lot of psychological studies um have actually figured out how many chunks of of short-term memory we can store at one time um and then and then like long-term memory is like who knows how much actual storage we have for that but you do lose memories Um, oh yeah and it your memories like they get condensed right like all like all but like a few bits and pieces that it you know your brain decides are important are thrown away Mm -hmm. and you you keep what you know what it deems is worth keeping and also i wonder um if your brain defrags, so like moves around memory, 
So even if if you say, all right, I'm going to write to this this particular set of neurons, and that's going to encode this memory or this piece of information that I'm writing to it. I wonder if your brain goes, all right, we're going to rearrange all of that so that it's sequential, so that it's easier to read or like reformat how you even think about that thought so it goes in a different place and what if, everything's just what messed if, up. Greg, what if that's what dreams are? Oh my what God. If you dream because your brain is moving those things around. Oh my God, that's crazy. That is such an insane thought. And that's all I believe now. <laughs> literally that is what i believe that's crazy yeah that's such an interesting thought just came to me i was like you know what maybe it is is. it could be it could it could be something completely different i don't know oh my god yeah like oh like the seek head of your brain just um shuffling over all these memories and stuff moving around so stuff is all garbled but then you get like points of lucidity where stuff is making sense because you're actually like reading through a memory oh my god that's crazy wow all right yeah. well i need like a whole night to to reorganize my thoughts <laughs> to <laughs> interpret that thought and then maybe 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 that's why like sleeping on something works right because things are organized in your brain in an easier to access fashion yeah there's been lots of, of problems, and it's, like, really late at night, like, one thirty in the morning. I'm working on it. I'm like, oh, I just don't, like, I need to sleep on this and just, like, think about it and wake up in the morning, and within 15 minutes, like, you have the solution. That happens so I often. I figure out everything at about 3 a.m. Do you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if it's been stumping me, that's when I figure it out. Like, I'll, I'll wake up and be like, got it. Yeah. I usually bang then my I head against the wall. Then I got to convince myself. It's not so important that I have to get up and write it down. Right. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so I guess telepathy is uh, one really cool thing. Um, I, another thing that would be hell on teachers is um, if, if it's like a traditional classroom setting still, is people sending uh, notes. <laughs> I just thought about that. Like if you have can have private messages with people that are encrypted, um how would anybody be able to tell that you're conversing with someone? Be wild. Um, I guess at the same at the same time, um, does it matter? I think it matters to the teachers because you know they'd be like, "Listen to me, stop talking to your friend." But what if they could do both? If they could do both, then there you go. Yeah, well, like I don't know, matter. I don't know what that looks like. Like, and how do you even tell they're having this conversation? Exactly, you probably yeah. can't. You can't. You would. You would have no idea um so a lot of a lot of interesting kind of implications of telepathy um and that's Mm -hmm. been something that's been in science fiction forever um it'd be really cool um data downloads matrix style um the other thing i thought of was um thinking about the black mirror episode i think it was called um actually looked it up so i could properly say the name of the episode uh san junipero um where uh people's thoughts and memories and and their soul and just them was saved in the cloud so that when they die they could be uploaded to the cloud and live in this virtual city okay. called San Diego. That is the same as that uh, Amazon Prime show uh upload. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't seen it. No. Um and like when people uh not like when they die but if they die and like they're about to die in the hospital they like scan their brain into this place um this virtual place for them to live and then people can like visit them virtually or whatever yeah it, um, essentially but do, the same but idea when they do this it like vaporizes their head whoa so like if they were gonna like make it a lot if they weren't gonna die um and someone like incorrectly thought they were gonna die and uploaded them like there's no way they can go back right because they have vaporized no anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a little <laughs> bit different than the San Junipero. Um, but basically, there was this moral conflict of uh, of uh, mortality versus immortality. Like, do I really want to live forever? And some people in the show chose not to be uploaded to the cloud. Um, mm-hmm. And some people chose to be uploaded. Um, so really, it comes down to, again, this is stuff that's unlocked when you have the brain mapped out and you know where where to write information to. Um, if you can read and take a snapshot of the brain, 
save it, save the whole snapshot of your brain. Like think about like a plugging in a hard drive to your Mac and doing a time machine backup where it just takes a snapshot of your hard drive. And then you can plug that in later and just get back that snapshot. Um, so it is yeah, you like, at that specific time. But then that comes a question like, um, is that you, right? Or yeah. like, is that your consciousness or is like, what, what is that? There's, right? there's a lot of philosophy and a little bit of existentialism in there too, for sure. And, and maybe some, some ethical questions as well. Yes. Well, it, I think it all, it very much comes down to like, what is a soul and is a soul represented by a human's experience and their memories and uh, like personality, which comes from like experience and memories. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, like right now we definitely don't know what that is. Um, and then another thing I thought of, um, if we could um, snapshot the state of the brain and be able to save and then rewrite that to your brain, um, you you could have like uh, like almost in a video game where you take a take like an autosave and then some bad stuff happens. You're like, ah, I'll just go back because I don't actually want that to happen. Um, that's pretty crazy to think about. Like think about soldiers um, that have PTSD in war. You make them do, well, not make them, but they engage in war, see a whole bunch of crazy shit, and then um, you just revert them back to before they did all that. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Solve PTSD. Um, and then another thing I thought of. Um, there, Yeah, you would solve it, but there would be costs as well, right? Like, they probably learned a lot of things about themselves and, yes. and other things during that time. Yeah. Um, and if you remove it all... Uh, like like what have you actually stolen from them when yeah. you do that that's a really good point um and then the other thing i thought about also based on like a sci-fi tv series was um, um altered carbon did you watch that no i haven't watched that uh, so basically um they would save the state of someone's brain their consciousness everything like that have it uploaded into a cloud and then they could download that person into a new I can't remember what they called a uh, a new host but it was like something like a shell or basically just like a new corpse and they would download yeah. that person into the corpse so you could have you could be the same person but but live um in in different hosts basically um that would be pretty crazy being able to download you and then just warp to a different shell like a new body um if if you can download your synapses and then save all your memories and and load it up i think that's absolutely yeah. crazy to think about yeah there would be you'd have to like there would have to be a whole new um concept of what identity is at that yeah. point right like cuz our our current means of identifying someone are they come down to like physical characteristics well and 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 personality Right, but like your driver's license, it has how tall you are, right. what color your eyes are, um, and, and your name, and, and that's like kind of it. But okay, think about it this way. Like this is the way that I would think and, and kind of respond to that is if you have a, a digital state of, of someone's brain at a specific point in time, um, you can just take like the, it won't be a SHA hash at that point, but just take a hash of their whole brain and that's your identity. Right, but as soon as they experience something new, the hash changes. But so, but your so identity you, also changes. Yeah, but like so then how do you com- how do you verify identity in that case? Ah, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> mm. Mm. Good thing we don't have to solve that problem, me and you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's crazy to think about, like taking a hash of someone's brain. But yeah, you're right, it, it constantly changes. I guess I guess you would choose what you want to take a hash of. Like for example, like right now we we like hash a password or if we want like a unique identifier for something, we choose what it is about that piece of data, like what metadata we want to take a yeah. hash of. So it'd be like, okay, we want the file name, we want um the last update time, we want this field and that field, we'll hash it all together, create a hash, and that's the mm-hmm. the ID of that of that file. So I guess yeah. it would be the same I, thing it's like It's not like, undoable. But yeah. uh, <laughs> it's not easy either. It's not easy either. 
Um, I don't know. So those those were the the things that I thought of before uh, we started podcasting that I thought would be kind of cool cool things that could happen as a result of of being hooked up like that. Um, can you think of anything else? Do you think would be pretty cool? Uh, I mean, there's there's lots of cool things like so. Uh, we talked a little bit before about like you could uh, someone else could record their experience doing something like um, say you were like you wanted to go skydiving but you're too afraid to actually go skydiving. Right. You could like rent the skydiving experience. Oh, that's great. That's some Black Mirror stuff right there. Right. Um, or you know, I, there's like plenty of other seedier things you could. <laughs> Yeah. do that way but um so there's that you could save your own memories for for yourself to look back on later um like i think that's really cool like you could instead of like photo albums you could have like you know a memory gallery mm-hmm. or something then you could like have like you know like harry potter style like photos on the wall right based on your memories that oh, could be, be really pretty cool. cool that'd be really cool grandmas would love that Right. Oh, they would love that. And then, and then you don't have grandma spending, you know, twenty minutes trying to take the picture on their phone. Um, that's they're right. Not quite sure how it works. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Dude, does that put does that put photographers out of business, or do they just like become like mind photographers? Mm. It, it's interesting to think about. I'm sure. I'm it sure is. they still have a, a place, like because people love looking at cool cool pictures it's just how how they get those would be yeah, different i think so yeah that's um yeah that's that's really interesting to think about um i think i think you you kind of said like i don't i don't think you use the word nefarious but I, I just got my mind thinking about security and you did mention before about like what if my brain could get hacked like what what's stopping yeah. that um so i think the implications of security are really really important um if someone gets access to your your neuralink for example and starts uh writing bits to your brain um they, oh, well, they could, like, they could kill this. you they could shut down your um sympathetic nervous system and just stop your heart Maybe. from beating what, what think about this you know how like um in like every military show i've ever seen um you know in the last five years every soldier has like a camera on their helmet that the White House is tapped into. Yep. Um, so instead of a camera on their helmet, they just trap, tap straight into the guy's eyes, right? Yeah. Like, and and then the you know the, the terrifying part about that, even if that's not scary enough for you, um, is what if someone has hacked my Neuralink and it's just like watching through my eyes all the time, right? Like like a keylogger. Like, yeah, but I, but I don't know that that's right. happening, right? So, so not something so overt as like, so so it. Like as advert as uh, you know, like making me do things or putting memories in. They're just like they're watching and stealing information uh, in that way. That could be like really creepy. And yeah, so. <laughs> I think that there there is actually a Black Mirror episode about that, if I remember correctly, with uh, the mother and the daughter, and it, it's uh, it's an implant that's put into the child so that the 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 parent can. Um, basically like black out certain things like blur out things that that are like 18 plus or things that would scare them <laughs> and then also be able to look through their eyes so that they can see what they're up to so like making sure they're they're where they say they are making sure they're not God. doing drugs making sure like the next step of tracking your phone yeah yeah exactly and the the black mirror episode really goes into the the moral quandary of like is that is that right to do and the mom was like oh like i sh- i really shouldn't be looking at like through my 17 year old daughter's eyes right now and like but i really want to see if she's with this guy because like i just i, I need to know and she like boots it up and oh it's just crazy um mm-hmm. definitely uh the the neuralink would kind of open up that realm um wow a lot of yeah. black mirror references crazy. they've thought about this yeah, I'm sure if we thought about this uh, a little bit more, then then we could we could probably think about things for for days and, and weeks and months of, of you know the the good and the bad that could come from this. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Well, we're ready um, at about an hour. Do you want to wrap it up there? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Cool. So you can find more info uh, about us on our website, knickknacknerd.com. Uh, if you want to write in to us, tell us some stories, you can write to hello at knickknacknerd.com. You can find us on social media at knickknacknerd. Uh, download and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, leave us a review. And well, yeah, that's it. I'm Greg. I'm Anthony. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.